We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. Yesterday, we had Pat Beverly's press conference. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And I think as the days tick by, the reality that Russ is probably going to be back is starting to set in. So we need to have a discussion about that, too. But first things first, Mike, we were both in the building yesterday. Um, I did not see his press conference live, but you were in the room just to the side of him. Uh, There was a clip posted of him walking into the room and saying, Hey, good morning, everyone. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, you know, they say, hey, good morning. Like he's like kind of snapping everybody to attention. And then everyone goes, oh, good morning. You know, like everyone kind of wakes up and some lady goes, oh, sheesh, you know, and uh, it's just I don't know. He's a different dude, Mike. I'd love to hear your you've been around him. Not the first time uh, yesterday was not the first time you've been around him, but certainly the first time in a Laker uniform. It was his first official moment as a Laker. Very curious about your thoughts. Well, he's the same way in press conference situations as he is on the court. He, this is who he is. You know, he's he's feisty. Uh, he's passionate. He's focused. He is confrontational. Right. All of the things that you that you see. And it's that common adage, right, where when he's not on your team, you can't stand the guy. And, and when he's on your team, um, at least more of you like him a lot. I think that this specific type of personality does fit well given where the Lakers were last year and just in having somebody, you know, Rondo is a little bit like this too. Um, Rondo's a little bit more subtle with the way that he operates. And there's a little bit more, I think behind it. It's a little bit less raw about Rondo at times, whereas Beverly, he just kind of immediately says what he thinks. And, and I like those kind of people um, really for the most part, if you take all of that stuff aside, right. And Pete, you just mentioned it. Like he comes into the room and it's kind of like an immediate confrontation in a way, even though it's a, it's, He's just sort of, I don't know if it's completely intentional, but he just has you on edge, right? And mm-hmm. and so, but but get past all of that and like think about the things that he says about basketball, about the team, about what he's here to do. And I think those are all the things that we expected and that do fit with what is going to help this team get some wins uh, in, in sort of just change the attitude of the building uh, in a sense. And so 
that was to be expected. Darius, I know you watched that, and I know you also watched the Spectrum interview that he did. So I, I'm curious what you got out of it. I, I just wanted to first get that out of in the room. Yes, like it's it's what it looks like. It's it's like okay, all right. Everybody knows that Pat Beverly uh, is in the building. <laughs> yes, that's quite purposeful. Pat Beverly wants you to know that he's in the building. Pat has an edge. Um, he carries that edge with him, and. I think that there, as you were talking right now, Mike, it's like a part of me feels like this is the deal you make when you sign a player like Pat Bev. It's like you, you get all of the, all the X's and O's stuff that he was sort of alluding to in his media availability, the idea of him and the first thing that he sort of led with Mike was like, I'm a very prepared man or whatever term that he used, but it's just like, he understands the game. You can tell that. And I don't think you make it this long as like a six foot, six foot one guard, like however big he is without understanding how to actually play or what the tactics of the game are. And I think there's a lot of times with a player like Pat Bev, you can mistake the histrionics and the bluster for not knowing that stuff. But behind all of that stuff is all of the tactics. It is all of the understanding. And so when he's talking about player positioning and preferences out of ATOs and, and where certain guys like to catch the ball and where he would be positioned in relation to those players who are playing to their strengths and how he can be successful and how he has been successful in those same spaces. He is showing you the intellect that goes behind how he's going to play the game. But right there with that as well is all of the attitude, and I was talking about this before we started to record, and I'll give you guys the PG version, but it's all of the FU energy. It is all that meme of like, oh, you think I'm locked in here with you? No, like, no, you're locked in here with me. And Pat Bev sort of gave his own version of that when he got asked on the Spectrum interview, like, hey, you know, like you're coming here and you you get to play with LeBron and AD. And he sort of cuts off Mike Bresnahan and was just like, oh, no, no, no. Like they get to play with me. Like I was the one in the playoffs last year. There's a difference. Right. And it's sort of like that sort of FU energy, that sort of like I'm here to remind you that like what I do and who I am. The Lakers need some of that. There, this Lakers team needed some of that. Previous versions of the Lakers might not have. And mm -hmm. so that's what I'm talking about, Pete, when I'm sort of saying, like, this is the deal that you make. You need some of this. And it's like, it's like what I was talking about um, in a previous pod about a little bit of seasoning, right? So it's like, okay, you're adding the salt. Okay, well, how much salt do you need? Well, Pat Bev is just like, well, I'm a big-ass bag of salt. Right. And so I'm I'm in it like I'm about to flavor this dish and I'm going to bring my energy and help set this culture in this 
this direction. And teams do not bring him in unless they want that. Minnesota got plenty of that last year, Mike. Mm-hmm. And I know that you sort of spoke to that with, with Pat Devin. He was quick to remind you too. Like, hey, I did this in LA and I did this in this place and this place too, right? And, and so that's what he's bringing, Pete. I, was and, like, I, and I know, so, Pat, I just cited your net rating from your previous uh, two stops as well. But yes, okay, thanks, yes. thanks for clarifying. You no, know, it's like, you, if you're ready for it, you can be ready for it. And then he'll kind of, and then he'll kind of like change course. But like, it's, you know, it's going to be, you're going to do that. You know, it's, a, it's what it is. And so, Pete, like this is the this is the daily confrontation that I think Pat Bev is going to bring. And it's not always a confrontation like I'm ready to fight or I'm here to be an asshole to you or I'm here to, like, make you uncomfortable. But it is just like, like, hey, like we're getting after it. I'm and I'm a get after it person. And so, like, I was. I, I was both laughing some of his comments off and I was just like, oh, that's interesting. But where my mind went was like, okay, this dude understands. He is he is prepared. He knows what, what he's doing and he's going to help this team just from the idea of preparedness, understanding of how to play the game, particularly off of star players and that drive and willingness to play for the team first and put the team first. And I thought those ideas were prevalent throughout his entire media availability. And those are important things. It's funny because we've experienced that FU attitude as on the receiving end of it so much that I think learning what it's like to be on that side is something that's going to be revealing over the next few weeks. Um, And it's funny when he walked into the press conference after he kind of shook the room and and rattled it a little bit and got everybody to to wake up a little bit. He made some comments about like, hey, this this is a family. We say good morning to each other we it like he kind of explained his thought process behind why he would walk into a room and when no one responds when he says good morning he's just gonna say it a little bit louder almost like a like a hype man on stage you know how somebody comes out beforehand and is like i can't hear you at a concert or something like that try to get the crowd a little more energized and so yeah exactly (laughs) we're old we're old um and so I got to experience him yesterday in a more private setting. As Mike was in the media room, I was in the the actual film room. We had a little setup where we were doing a couple of interviews with him. And yesterday was my first opportunity to watch film with an NBA player that with a uh, with Pat Bev. And so he walks into this room, into into the film room yesterday, and I'd say there's probably eight people in there. And he walks in in a similar manner. He's like, Hey everybody, what's up? And, but it's very like, I am here. I am Pat Beverly. You, I'm, he's not going to just like s- sneak into the room type of thing. Right. But we kind of met him with, Hey, how, how's it going? Nice, nice to meet you. Right. And so the, but his energy is very like, it changed the dynamic of the room as soon as he walked in. And one of the things that stood out to me on, on a personal level that reflects how he plays basketball and something that you were just talking about, D, is he looks you right in the eyes more than any person I've ever met with the exception of Pau Gasol. Most people, when you talk to each other in an in-person setting, your eyes are kind of drifting or attention will – no, he is locked in like – and he's got big eyes, right? He's, and he's like laser-focused on you when you're talking. And it's 
it speaks to a level of being in the moment that is reflected in his game. We were talking about some of the defensive tactics that he uses as that guy, D, like you're saying, he's six one. He described himself as pushing six two, right? And as that kind of guy who's not a great athlete by NBA standards, at least, and isn't like some natural shooter, isn't crazy fast or anything like that. To have the kind of career that he's had, it is that mastery of the technique and of the tactics, Mike, and of of the things that you can control. And so I've been yearning for this kind of like mindful in the moment type of mentality just kind of across the board of like today matters, right now matters. This private moment with 10 people in this room matters and we're going to be focused and we're going to be in the moment with all of it. It's just very refreshing and Coming off of last season, especially last season is the kind of season where the stink can stay on you for more than one year. And if you ever needed a an organizational exorcism, I think Patrick Beverly is right near the top of guys you'd want to trade for. Yeah, for sure. The, it's like all of the stuff that we're talking about and his personality. And I think Darius said this a minute ago that this specific group of Lakers players and teammates more so than some other ones in the past, I think, can use this edge. And and that's. That's good. Like that's there. That's not going to change. That's who he is. It's going to be that throughout the season. It might bring a couple of moments of tension here or there, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I think overall, what it's going to do is it's going to it's going to just raise the bar for what the energy level is. And I think that when you have LeBron on your team, LeBron can do that, but LeBron has to do so much other stuff. Ideally, he doesn't have to do that, and he can he can be the one that's dictating how the basketball is being played more. Um, and you can have somebody else, you know, responsible for the energy. But I wanted to bring in Darvin Ham into this for a second, too, because I asked Darvin a question. He talked right after Pat Bev, and it was basically about the type of energy and the accountability that you get when there's somebody that, that's happy to yell at any of his teammates um, on the court or in the film room. And Darvin kind of stopped me, you know, three quarters through the question and, and was like, well, no, 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 that, that we still have to do all that, too. I still have to do all that, too. We can't just say, oh, Pat Bev's here. You know, he's going to be the one holding everyone accountable. You know, that's a big part of what my job is coming in here. And Darwin's got a different style to doing so. But he that is one of his main tenets. He is somebody that will hold you accountable um, as a person, as a friend, as a family member. And I think that that by Beverly being a little bit more pointed in terms of a spear there, that's great. But to have the coach immediately saying, well, hold on, this is about all of us. This is about the whole way that our whole team has to be. I think that's a positive direction that, that you know, wasn't quite there in the same context last year. And that's something that when you think about just finding a way to win a game, I think that's something that can help, uh, especially in an NBA season. Well, Ham is also um, pointed in his own way. And he says what's on his mind as well. And he has no qualms about speaking honesty in the moment. And like all head coaches do, he can also be evasive when he wants to be evasive. Right. But I think and we'll get to Russ a little bit later as as Pete alluded to. But I mean, Darwin got asked a direct question about how do you see a potential starting backcourt between with Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly? And he basically said, oh, well, maybe if like if they play defense. And it and was then, like, 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 oh, damn. OK. And, and, and who's he talking about right there? D? He's not talking about, about Pat Bev, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so there's a little bit of like, hey, man, like I got some of that, too. Now, Ham can be 
clearly I think Ham can be a gregarious guy as well. Like he's got that that deep voice and that laugh, and he sort of is like, hey, yeah, like I'm cut from this cloth too. I was a former player, like yada yada yada. Like, well, it's like the Key and Peel Obama handshake skit, right? Like he knows mm-hmm. the routines. He knows how to give the daps, right, with all those people in that room. And he is quite familiar with all of the the mannerisms and, and everything else because he was one of those dudes too, right? And and it's not a front with him at all. So I do think that Ham will find a willing partner in Pat Beverly. And I think you're right, Mike. And Ham is is very smart about getting out in front of it too. Like, well, I'm still the head coach. It's still my job to do all of this stuff. And I think that Ham is looking, I'm sure, at all of his leaders, including LeBron and AD, as partners in everything. But I think even more so, Ham, as a first-year head coach, is going to be more than willing to sort of, and and along with his personality, Mike, is going to be more than willing to sort of say, well, this is what I want. And this is what we're going to do. As far as I can tell, Ham has the longest contract of any of the people who are in the organization right now, besides the people who are part owners of the team. And so if anyone's looking at like, oh, well, who has the most job security? Obviously, like a guy like LeBron, he could be a Laker for as long as he wants. But Darvin Ham, he's got the longest contract. So he's the one, I think, who, who can go out there and set the agenda and set the tone. And that's not going to be on Pat Bev. Right. That's going to be on Coach Ham. And I just wanted to draw a contrast to, to kick this to Pete between the 1920 team. So when Vogel came in, that there was a particular type of guy that was on that team. There were a lot of veterans. It was LeBron coming off the revenge season that we talked about. And so they just needed a steady hand, somebody that wasn't going to get in the way mm-hmm. of the players too much, that was going to organize things, X's and O's, that was going to be super accountable, like in the meetings. But they didn't, you know, it, it wasn't that type of energy that they needed coming off the previous season. Whereas for this season, it just was so clear, not just last year, but the past two seasons that they needed this with Beverly and with Darvin Ham, I think. So it's it's not a it's not a knock on Vogel, who I think won a title by being exactly the type of coach that they needed for that year. And then as the roster has evolved some and as, you know, the some of the other roster has aged, this just seems to fit this moment. And Pete, I, while I think we we can agree on that, I also don't want to overreact. Right. As you do season by season. And sort of just, well, last year we didn't have this, so we have to have this. But but I don't know. That, to me, that still remains to, uh, an important distinct uh, point of distinction. I couldn't agree more that this was a team that needed that injection. And we lost our way last season. Just simply put, we lost our way and we need to get back on track. And I think a big part of that is I always return to the chop wood, carry, carry water mantra. And the reason for that is in the same things that Pat Bev was saying, he kept bringing up and has brought up several times the idea of I'm a very detailed man. You brought that up earlier, D. And that idea of taking joy in the details, he's also said like, there's no detail that's too small. This is Kobe stuff, right? Like this is what one of the things that Kobe preached and that is very central to kind of our philosophy when we're good. When we're bad, we're like, oh, we're a bunch of freaking rock stars. Oh, we don't need to take this preseason all that seriously. We'll be fine. We could start the season with, you know what I'm saying? And, and we get in that mentality of like, we'll get there, we'll be fine. But when we're at our best, it's like the LeBron camp is great. We start out, what, 23 and three. We, like you said, Vogel brought that steady hand. And that's one of the many fascinating things about basketball is that 
that first year coach has an opportunity that he will never have with a group in any other year, right? You come in, Darvin wasn't part of the stinkiness of last year. Pat Bev wasn't part of the stinkiness of last year. In fact, he was the one calling out our stinkiness in the target center, grabbing his nose and looking toward the crowd and, and all of that. So let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk more about this and the idea that it looks like Russ is going to be back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So when Mitchell was traded, I thought that was the last like big domino that we were kind of waiting for. And within 24 hours, I think the THT and Stanley for Pat Bev trade happened. And so guys with every day that passes where nothing happens and just, you know, Russ was there yesterday. We were posting pictures of Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook smiling and having a moment together on a, on the main account and all of that. It looks like D that, Russ is going to be back. And that's going to be, that's been the central topic of this entire offseason has been will they or won't they trade Russell Westbrook? It looks like they won't. That's a gamble, though. That's a gambit. We've been talking of all of this uh, good stuff about Pat Bev and the energy that he brings and all of that. But there are still ghosts from last year. There are things, there are many ways that this can go sideways. And so, I think just kind of processing, I think Russ is going to be back is worth having a conversation about. So I don't know. Are you in that same spot that if it hasn't happened by now, it's probably not going to happen? 
Yeah, I would say they've got like three or four or five more days or so. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, um, I had sort of thought that the timeline wasn't media day or training camp to avoid the potential uncomfortable nature of that, right? Of all the press and you two and Mike especially knows better than all of us the the onslaught of media availability that happens at Lakers media day versus other teams, um, even in Los Angeles, right? Like what that could look like. And so there's going to be a lot of people there. And so, but that's not the real deadline. I thought the real deadline and still believe the real deadline is the little mini camp that LeBron typically holds in anticipation of, of media day and that three or four or five days that they spend together as a group in order to start to work out together and learn each other and go out and do whatever these guys do to start to build that that camaraderie it's hard to start to build that camaraderie if you're going to trade a guy like a couple of days after or two weeks after or whatever right like or if that's point? even up in the air right if that's even yeah. kind of in the ether that's it's tough to do that yeah. And so, look, like I wrote a column earlier this summer where I was just like, oh, it's a matter of when, not if the Lakers trade Russell Westbrook. And I've been under the mindset that they were going to find a deal to be made. And I've said multiple times on this podcast, I think it's in the Lakers best interest to make a trade like I just do. But if they don't, and this is an attitude I take a lot in my life is I'm a roll with it sort of person. The circumstances that we currently have are the circumstances that we do have. And so I'm not going to cry over spilled milk or the things that did not happen or the things that you cannot control, like manage and deal and try to make the best out of what you have. I thought it was good that Russ was there when Pat Bev had his first media availability. I said this offline with just you guys, but um, I had mentioned that Pat Bev energy, Mike. Um, that Pat Bev energy is that energy of an edge. It's that energy of like F you to everyone else. Like I'm one of the most self-assured people and self-assured people often don't care what other people think. They only let a certain number of people in who they do care Mm -hmm. what those people think. Mm -hmm. And the one guy who carries himself to that level that I saw Pat Bev carry himself with yesterday is now Pat Bev's teammate in Russell Westbrook. Russ is one of those dudes too. And so he may just find his partner at assholery if that's even a thing in Pat Bev. Like, <laughs> and those two may just be gallivanting around town, just basically thinking of all the ways that they don't give a damn about every person that, that they see. And maybe that partnership will bear a certain type of fruit that actually is helpful to the Lakers. I have no clue. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that as we do start to process the very real possibility that Russell Westbrook is going to be on this team, I think understanding what that would look like and now how that dynamic does shift back to Darvin Ham and does make it so that players like LeBron and AD and I think Pat Bev as a leader are going to have to maneuver in this situation and and manage it in a way where Russ, who has also often been a leader on on his teams and how all of that comes together or doesn't. Because if it doesn't come together, the Lakers are going to 
that like that's the first problem. Forget on court fit. If the off court stuff and that togetherness is not there, then they're doomed before they even start. And some people might think that that's the case based off of skill set fits, but it's really not there if it's like personality stuff and these guys can't get on the same page about what things are supposed to look like from a personality and togetherness standpoint. And so that's where my head goes first when I start to process all of this. Well, there were a lot of questions about Russ yesterday to both Beverly and Darvin Ham. And starting with where Darius was was hitting on with the whole, you know, Beverly talked about the will, the dog, the nastiness, the grit, that that certainly was Westbrook's rap for many years, right? And, and that was what Kobe appreciated about him. And I do think that there's a, a, a whole lot of truth to that. And I think that last year, part of the frustration, uh, whether it was from Russ or, or from fans in that direction, was that you didn't necessarily always see a ton of that uh, on the defensive end. And that's part of what Darvin Ham has talked about. And the on the offensive end, it's, you know, Russ, is, Russ has been used to playing a certain way. And that way didn't fit in great with what with the certain the personnel that was on the floor last year. So the nastiness and the dog and all that, I there's a it's what I talked about first with Patrick Beverly, where that it just does translate to how he plays. That is that is how he plays. And for for Westbrook to get on that, Westbrook has to adapt, adapt some to how he's playing with this specific team, with these specific players to keep that rep. And and I think that was a, a big source of what we saw last season but to i guess the the other part of this question just yeah like it, at this point right it does not seem like it does not seem like a trade is coming uh before the season starts i wouldn't necessarily rule out what's going to happen ahead of the trade deadline it will have to see how all this fits but it really came down to those picks i think and and i understand as we've talked about many times the difference between one and two and in our whole one and a half thing pete and there just was a point where whether it was the Lakers or the other teams had to say, okay, well, we're just not close enough. Kind of like with the Kevin Durant situation in Brooklyn, where what they wanted versus what was going to be there for them, the, the gap was too wide. And so then you get back into Darius's motive. All right, well, make the best of this. Let's see how you do it because the first game matters and, and all of this stuff is going to have significance. Uh, and, and that's, I think that there will be seasons that are, uh, are less tumultuous than the oncoming one, but it's certainly going to be interesting. <laughs> That's one way to put it, Mike. <laughs> I think <sighs> so. It's good to have a walkaway point. Let's start with the negotiation side of things. Is that I was worried that, and I, I think there's a significant significant part of the fan base that feels this way. I was worried that we would be in a we have to trade him no matter what, and that that would be our position and that's not a good place to negotiate from you have to be able to be like actually no we're not going to give two future firsts for these guys we are willing to give two future firsts there just has to be a certain amount of caliber player coming back because the last thing you want is to come on on the other side of that deal and then still be like oh we we don't have enough and we don't have anything to trade for enough down the line but that leads you into a very tenuous position, D, right? Like what Mike was talking about, this will be a tumultuous season. This will be a season where there is like that in your faceness of Pat Bev, I think is something that 
is going to translate both to the team and to the fans, right? Like, I think that that's something that his energy is something that can catalyze, but it doesn't just come with that, like, bringing life and spirit. It has a dangerous potential in a dangerous situation where, like I said, all of the ghosts of last season, not all of them are gone. And so that's the gamble that we're taking is that, okay, we've held this line, but we now have to deal with today and the present situation. And there's a lot both off the court in terms of personality, but also in terms of skill set on the floor, a lot of questions to be answered. Yeah. And so many of those are going to have to be answered once this group is together and what it all looks like. Right. And the idea that I was talking about in terms of rolling with it and making the best out, out of it, there's on some levels like a defeatist attitude to that. But you can easily turn that around into like embracing what needs to happen in order to be the best version of yourself or as a group that you can be. It's using your environment, right? Like we don't always get to choose what the outer circumstances are. And so there's it's not defeatist in that like. Oh, well, I guess it's just not going to work out. But it's like, okay, these are the circumstances as they are. They're not the way I would have designed it in my ideal world. This is what things are. And using what they are to build toward the future, that's, I mean, that's how human beings have evolved over the course of history, right, is is understanding their environment and, and how to manipulate it. So the interesting thing that I see is Pat Bev is one of the more malleable role players that you're going to find because what wins in the NBA is typically defense and shooting and taking as few things off of the table as possible, right? It doesn't mean the things that are still on the table, you have to do those at a super high level as a role player, right? But if you can't defend up a position or defend down a position, if you can't hit an open three-pointer, if you can't attack a closeout, if you can't make the swing-swing pass, then guess what? You're not going to play on a team that's very good or has high aspirations. But if you can do all of those things at a baseline level, you're going to be useful. It's why Austin Reeves was super useful last year, and it's why Pat Beverly is going to be super useful this season. And so when I think of malleability and I think of the ability to play off of stars, I do see Pat Bev being able to fit next to a player like Russell Westbrook, right? The question is, is how malleable is Russ going to be? And I think we do have some inklings about that, which then starts to tell us how malleable are LeBron James and Anthony Davis going to be and how malleable is Thomas Bryant going to be? Because As you start to consider bringing Russell Westbrook back, the idea of, well, these are the paths that are going to allow you to play certain types of basketball. It's like a freeway merger, right? And it's just like, okay, like right at the toll booth, Mike, up here at the Bay Bridge, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's 25 lanes across, right? It's just like, you got to get all those cars onto the bridge and we can't get them backed up all the way to Vallejo. So you got all these lanes across, but when you're on the bridge, guess what? The bridge is like five lanes wide. When you bring on a Russell Westbrook, it's just like you are, it's all these mergers, right? And you go from five lanes to three lanes to two lanes, potentially like, okay, well, these are our paths now. We got to roll in these directions. I think the 34-year-old or 33-year-old peak version of, of Russ, and I'm not talking about 28 
year-old peak version of Russ. I'm talking about the peak version that he can be now. I think he can still be a useful player. I've said that before. I'm very interested to see how another player like Pat Bev, when you add him to a player like Austin Reeves, when you add him to a player like Thomas Bryant, who can be helpful in what his skill set is, even when you add him to a player like Damian Jones, who can be helpful in what his skill set is. And then you bring back to the equation LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are the pillars and the foundation of, of what this team is. I see that there are some paths. And I'm very interested to see how, how those things do fit together. And Pat Bev is going to be critical in that because this team did not have a player like him last season, a point of attack, hard nosed defensive bulldog player who could also hit an open three, who could also attack a closeout, who could also bring the ball up and alleviate some of the ball handling responsibilities from your other best ball handling players. So he can be a linchpin type of player in the limited version of a role player that he's going to be. And that's going to help Russell Westbrook too. And so I'm just, I'm not trying to, to like hype something up, but I am trying to figure out what it can be and what it can look like. Because again, this is looking more real now. Well, Beverly's clearly thought about it, right? And when asked about it, he started to think about, okay, well, I shoot 50% from this specific corner three and Russ likes to be on this block. And so he's thought about it. I'm going to bring in Darvin's comment that Darius, you actually cited earlier on this, which is interesting when somebody asked if they could start together. And he's like, yeah, uh, if if they play defense and Pete alluded before, he wasn't referring to Beverly as playing defense. And Darvin's also been very clear that that's the main charge that he has for us. And so if Russ does come in and accepts that and and I think, by the way, based on a lot of things I've, I've been hearing, but also just Russ's actions and his demeanor around Darvin, around Beverly, that I do think that that's what he's going to try to do coming into camp. Like, I think that there is going to be a, a different type of effort made now, whether that sticks, whether it works, I don't know. And that's why I thought it was interesting that Darvin mentioned some other guys and Kendrick Nunn, who um, I too have heard is looking good in uh, in workouts and in in, Likewise, yeah. in the gym. Uh, so that's one thing. So okay, that's interesting. My my eyebrow was raised a little bit for that. And then he mentioned Austin Reeves by name, and then he mentioned Lonnie Walker by name. So Beverly to me is the one that is kind of plugged in because of his fit around LeBron and AD. And I think Pete said this yesterday in our pod that like that's an ink you know, or in pen or whatever, like that's, I, you don't have to, the beauty of him, of his game and LeBron's and AD's is that you don't have to fit them in to any other player. Like you just put them on the court, the stuff that they do Mm -hmm. on both ends will, will fit with whoever it is. Russ is the guy that you have to be careful in how you're trying to fit and work around. I think we may have brought that up on last year's podcast from, from time to time. Couple times. Couple times. And by the way, Austin Reeves, another guy that just sort of fits because he can do mm-hmm. whatever you need. Um, however he needs to do it, unless you need him to be the go-to scorer, right? And we're not talking about all that. So there's a, there's a specific thing that Russ has to be able to do. And if he can, okay, then maybe that works better than some might even think, uh, especially to start the season. And then we start to get to the center position and like, what if, if Thomas Bryant, how's he looking? You know, is he, can he still shoot threes the way that he has in the past? If not, and you're not getting the spacing out of it, then, then what do you do? Then you just, then you start Damian Jones and you play a little bit more similarly to what you did with JaVale or with Dwight. Like, so there are a lot of questions still to be answered, but to, to kind of steer it back to Pete um, for, specifically with Beverly and with Russ Pete what's the thing that stood out to you after you by the way as you as you mentioned spent some time 
with Pat Bev. And I don't know if any of that came up. Well, first, I want to just say that they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, I think they ate into the benefit of the doubt last year. And I've, I'm excited about Pat Bev. I'm excited about Darvin. But just from a like, oh, I think it's going to work. It's not that. I. But what I think that they've done is everything that you can control, I think that they've they've got way more synergy at this point of the year than they did with last season's team. And I think that's important. That's not a prediction. That's not anything, but it is more of a solid foundation to build off of, but we got a long way to go and a lot of things to be answered within that. Uh, But to answer your question, Mike, in terms of what stands out is just that in the momentness. that's something that you, you said something earlier that I think I'll save this for a future pod in terms of how they are both, um, that fire and passion that they're both known for reputationally. I think Pat Bev's kind of emanates outward, whereas Russ is more, more of an inward one. And I will expound on that at, at a different point, but that if you can get their two energies to link up, and this is so funny that we're talking about this, considering the characters involved in their history, but both the way that Pat Bev ticks and the way that Russ ticks, that if, there are there are versions of that that actually work out very well, and that's the one that, as a coach and as all of the and the players and Pat Bev and Russ themselves, that working toward that and getting that sort of synergy and harmony, the opposite of that dissonance that we talked about last year. I think that right there is something that is worth working toward and is actually achievable, and that's where you get the good results from. So, a lot of conversations to be had. I think tomorrow um, we're going to talk more on the basketball side, right? We've talked a lot about motor and energy and fire and spirit and all of the off the court stuff. I'd love to uh, kind of geek out with you guys a little bit more about the roster and how it fits together. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires, it's Yanni, the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, Van Exel to win it, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.